What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. You know who we are. It's Blaine Spencer and Joe Ciccoletti here running the show on a Wednesday episode of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast because, you know, I had it worked a 15-hour day yesterday, and Joe was so kind enough to step away from his work-life balance to, <laughs> to hop on and do the pod. How are you, brother? Doing well, doing well. How about yourself? Well, it could be better. Monday night was a little rough. I know if people are following the show or saw us on our guest appearance uh, last weekend on Goat Talk with Marcus. I made a stupid friendly wager. That's actually not a friendly wager. I just made a stupid bet last week. <laughs> and, you know, uh, we have this prerogative that we don't bet against Tom Brady. So I rolled with the Goat on Monday night. And now. I'll be wearing a Dak Prescott jersey as a Washington Commanders fan next weekend on next Friday on Goat Talk. Oh, now Marcus wants you on that episode, so he can you can rub it in with me. So love to see uh, it. I thought uh, I thought he was going to be wearing a Minnesota Vikings jersey for a second there um, in that Giants game too, because I was trying to push for him. He to should wear be. It. He no, he chickened out. He was like, you know, if it was Justin Jefferson, he'd wear it, but then like. But no, I gotta be wearing a Dak jersey. My dad might honestly disown me next weekend. Uh, there ain't nothing wrong with that. You'll be all right. You'll bounce back better than ever. I know. I already. I got. I might as well double down this weekend. Honestly, give me San Fran a little double down action. Goat talk with Marcus. You hear me, Dwayne Marcus? I'm doubling down. <laughs> doubling down. Doubling down. We're here at Vegas. Doubling down. Blaine Spencer, San Francisco. Let's uh yeah, let's hop right into it right here. First game, Seattle, the Niners. Um, kind of like the expected blowout we did see. Uh Seattle did fight hard in that first half for sure. I think the game uh was pretty close going in the halftime. I think 17-16, if I'm not mistaken. Uh Metcalf looked great to start the game. He was blown off the top. Gino looked decent too, and then San Fran stepped up. Um and Brock Purdy looked a little shaky. He finally showed a little yeah. bit of that rookie side of him in that first half. And I'm like, okay, is this when we're going to see the collapse of Brock Purdy? Nope. Second half turns it around. Has an incredible game, over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. Um, really went through his progressions really well. I definitely thought in the second half, um, hitting a lot of the checkdowns. Uh, but, yeah, San Fran looked good. Good victory for them. Kind of what we expected. What would you think? Oh, without question, kind of exact like you said, you said nail it right on the head. Exactly how we kind of anticipated the game going. Seattle playing with house money. Geno and DK looked good. Had that connection. Tre'Davious Ward was getting fried out there in that first half. Um, but all you can say is that the Niners have been a second half team, especially these last eight nine weeks with Purdy at the helm. The defense flips a switch. And that was all she wrote in that second half. It was Purdy looked crisp. I think that halftime speech from Shanahan really probably settled him down a little bit. Like you said, he was a little shaky. I think now you got to, like we kind of talked about last week, you got to really consider him now as the starting quarterback going into next year. Like he, I think he was the, uh, honestly, the performance of the weekend from what I could see from the first playoff uh, start quarterbacks that took the helm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he looked good once again, that's for sure. 
Um, but also kudos to CMC. <clears throat> he did it on the ground today, or excuse me, on uh, Saturday. Uh, 119 on the ground, rushing, only two catches, which is surprising. Usually you're good for him for a couple there for sure. But uh, Debo also had a big game, huge reception, I remember. Um, over 100 yards there, Ayuk over 70. And surprisingly enough, George Kittle really didn't do much um, in terms of stat, but, you know, he's out there blocking, you know, getting yeah. CMC over that 100-yard mark there. So kudos to them, and uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, this upcoming uh, week on what's it Saturday, right? Versus the Cowboys. I think they play Sunday because Cowboys had to play that Monday night. Oh, Sunday, yes, correct. Because Sunday short, because so yep. Dallas doesn't play on a short, short week. That's right. So that's that'll right. Be, we might as well jump into that game. Um, Cowboys absolutely dominant on Monday night. Uh, they will be taking on the San Francisco 49ers, thirty-one to fourteen. It was, it was over by halftime. I mean, Tampa Bay, they had that one drive where they got into the five-yard line, and when Tom Brady threw the interception in the back of the end zone, it felt like the rails had just fallen off because the team lost all of its confidence. The defense really struggled, and, I mean, we mentioned it, right? We've been saying that the Dallas was the better team on paper, and it wasn't really close, right? When it, but the whole factor was that you have Tom Brady in the postseason. You think that was going to be the difference and an outline factor with Dallas having huge pressure on them, not winning a road playoff game since the Jimmy Johnson era. But you got to give kudos. Dak was absolutely lights out. He was phenomenal. I think he only had like six incompletions, something like that, if I remember correctly. I got to look at the exact stats. So four uh, eight. Eight incompletions. Eight incompletions. Thank you. Yep. Still had, was it four touchdowns, I believe, or three? I mean, Brett, Ma four touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, Brett Maher, the kicker. I mean, I'm surprised he wasn't cut this week, but um, I'm surprised he wasn't cut was, at halftime. Right. Um, <laughs> but an absolute clinic. And like the biggest thing is that um, for me, this was actually a question I was having with my buddies, and I would throw this to you because Dalton Schultz had such a big game, and I was arguing to them that like, I would say Dalton Schultz is a not a top five tight end. They were kind of pushing back on that. Would you put him in a top as a top five tight end? Because like honestly, in that game, we could have had ninety five yards and two touchdowns. That's how wide open he was on like half of those plays. Top five. That's that's a good question because I when when Dak was out, he wasn't doing anything. Right. Um. Granted, he was coming back off an injury at that time. So I, I don't I think he's out of the top five, to tell you the truth. I mean, you got to think Kelsey's above him, Mark Andrews is above him. Yep. Um George Kittle's above him. I yep. think um I think Kyle Pitts is better, even though stats wise aren't there. That might yep. be a little biased, but I think Kyle Pitts is better. Yep. Then you get kind of down to uh, you know, trying to think of guys off my like TJ Hawkinson. Do you think TJ Hawkinson's better than Schultz? I don't know. I do both ways. Okay. Um I think Darren Waller went healthy is better than, than Schultz. Yep. And then that mm -hmm. puts me at my five right there. Um, I don't need to name anymore, but I might be able to, but those would be my Got five. Goddard, you put Goddard ahead of him? Goddard potentially. I think Schultz and Goddard are pretty equal for me. Um, I would Dawson say. Dawson Knox? And he would have been my other one. I was going to say Dawson Knox is my other one. I'm like, yeah, you know, it, Dawson Knox is a very dependent on the, t on the touchdowns where Schultz gets a lot of the checkdowns that Jason Witten roll. Um, kind of thing. So 
Yeah, maybe I put him right around that six to seven mark. He wouldn't be too far off top five and could propel himself up next year to be a top five. But right now around that six to seven mark, I would say. All right, that's fair. I think I had him. I I didn't have him in the top five either. I think I had him around eight or nine after I was like doing the argument. That's but fair. like, again, that's all perspective, right? With what you're looking for in a tight end. And like between you could honestly go one, a one B one C with after those top five guys. Right. So it's a six, a six B six C. So you can make the argument with Goddard after the top five, I feel like. Yeah. But as for on the Buccaneers side, Joe, what, what is Tom, Tom playing? I feel like he's got, I mean, I've been on the, hype train that he's done done but after getting absolutely embarrassed like that you almost feel like you can't end on that sour of a note right i but i don't know i feel like he should have walked away after the super bowl win uh, a few years back Correct. i really think that was the time to just walk away you're at your highest peak kind of thing um but he wanted to come back he wanted to play see how he could do <clears throat> i think he got smacked in the face and i think um i just heard aaron Rodgers kind of say it too like the reason why we come back is because we can feel like we can win a Super Bowl. Does he feel like he can win a Super Bowl right now? I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer. If that's the like, I don't know if he can. Um, I I think this team needs needs a look at. Uh, they got truly smacked in the face. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. They weren't able to run the ball at all. Leonard Fournette does not look the same at all. Granted, he was you know fighting through an injury right now, and I hope he bounces back. But he doesn't look the same at all. Um, you know, you're relying on Julio Jones, who's 30 plus years old, um, is injured consistently as well. The O line was really, really banged up. I actually thought with Jensen back, he would have been a lot better. But um, Micah Parsons just a beast. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. If <laughs> and no way fans are about to bout it. Um, like the first drive, I remember he bring he gets pressure on Brady, like first down. And then second down or third down, it was Smith gets a holding call on him, like a full on arm bar around his head. I'm like, man, dude, dude is a game wrecker. I'll tell you that. Um, but all in all, like the Bucks could have came out and put it right to Dallas early, because if I'm not mistaken, Dallas went three and out twice, if not three times in the first two or three drives Dallas and, and Tim Bay did the same thing. If Tim Bay doesn't go three and out, gets away with the field goal, gets a touchdown, whatever it may have been. We could be having, we could be talking a different story. It could be flip flop. It could be 31, 14, the other way. Right. Um, just, you know, just with momentum. But, you know, I think that's where Tampa Bay kind of lost it right there. And Dallas goes down um, after they went three and out twice or three times, scored. And then that's when you said Tampa Bay goes down the other way, gets down to five, and Brady throws this costly INT. And, I, you know, you could just feel the uh, the balloon deflate in Raymond James stadiums. And it, you just were like, all right, that's it. And Dallas goes down again, scores again, and it was over from there. You're right. At halftime, it was kind of just like, eh, time to turn it off. Let's go watch LeBron score 40, um, you know, and, and that's just what it was. Um, but to answer your question, I, I think it's time. Maybe it, it might be time for Brady to hang it up. I really do. Yeah, because I feel like there's only the teams that are even listed as his potential targets. I don't I wouldn't put them as a Super Bowl contender. I would put them as a playoff contender like the Raiders. I mean, with Devontae and stuff like that, but that defense is still absolutely atrocious right and then trying to think of going back to tampa they've just showed these especially this year that they need to almost blow it up because this seems just too old too slow they don't have the pieces anymore outside of godwin and probably mike evans 
And then when you're looking at it, do you really want Brady throwing 55, 60 times a game? Like at it, he's going to be what, 46, 47? I think it's 46. But still, you can't be doing that. I mean, so I think uh, it's going to. Go ahead. I mean, even look at it like this look at all the playoff teams right now that were, um, that played last week. There is, there's not a single team, maybe, maybe except the Giants. Ravens pending Lamar Jackson. If Lamar plays, then Brady wouldn't go there. And the Dolphins pending Tua. There's no other team that would take Brady currently. They would take their quarterback that they have right now. I think the only team that would maybe consider Brady over there currently is the Giants. After that, it's just pending statuses of their quarterbacks they have now. After that, that's it. So why? Yeah, no, and that's yeah, and it's a fair argument, right? Because and most of the people that think he's going to go somewhere, it's an AFC team. And look at the quarterbacks. And the AFC is so much more difficult than the NFC, right? The NFC right now, the final four is what? It's Dak, it's Brock Purdy, then you have Jalen Hurts and Danny Dimes. Like he, he'd have to stay in the NFC. Like if he wants to actually try to win, to actually have a legit shot of winning a Super Bowl. So if I think if he goes to the AFC – he might, he, there's no way he makes it out of the first round again, let alone even get in. So mm-hmm. I think that's, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. So let's, but let's go to the game of the weekend. And you and I, honestly, we can own up to this. Like we can't even tell you what actually happened in the game because like, honestly, I turned it off and then turned it back on when it got down to 10. So, and that is the absolute collapse that happened in Jacksonville with the LA Chargers leading 27 rip and you lose 31 to 30. Trevor Lawrence, four INTs in the first half, comes back and plays nearly perfect. I I don't know what to say. That's all I can say. Like brands, like I knew everyone on the Chargers staff just has to go. Am I am I wrong here? Yeah, like, you gotta blow it up. Like they gotta go after that. <laughs> Yeah, a couple things I took away from this game. Trevor Lawrence with the four INTs to start, four TDs right after it. It was kind of something like Brett Favre would do, right? Like Brett Favre would go, I have a terrible first half, throw all these INTs. You think the team's down and out. And then all of a sudden, he just comes around and bang, shoots the team right up. It's exactly what Trevor Lawrence did. It was was unbelievable to see. Um, You know, incredible second half performance by him to turn it around. Um. But to answer your question, you know, yeah, right? Like, Brandon Staley's going to have to go. Something needs to happen. Um, I saw they fired the row C, which was, yeah, they needed to do that. But I think, personally, his loss is on the offensive side. You know, the, even though the defense think about 31 points, yes, I do understand that. But if I told you that the defense had gotten four INTs, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Jags won by probably 17 points. No, no problem, right? Oh, yeah, easily. They lost. Um, Just unbelievable performance, but we also said it here, and we said it um, on what was the next night, Thursday night when we were on. We said it's all going to come down to coaching, and what happened? Dougie P pulls through. Dougie P on fourth and one runs a play that's a jet sweep. What a play call. Yeah, like a jet sweep kind of uh, deal with Travis Etienne gets to the outside. And I actually was watching a video with some guy breaking it down when they were in um, Los Angeles playing. 
Dougie P was trying to get Asante Samuel Jr. to be the tackler of the play. And he kind of did something very similar in that play as well, except the tight ends were in the backfield instead of on the line, um, which was very interesting and a great breakdown. I forget who it was, so I apologize for that. I should have given him more credit. But it was great play call. He ended up getting 15, 20 yards, put him back in a field goal position, and bang, here we are. We're talking Jags in uh, the AFC Divisional round now. Yeah, and, like, I just feel like how, how – I mean, the big – I think the big thing was Jacksonville scored at the end of the first half. Gave them something to, like, grasp, right, going into halftime to be like, all right, let's come out firing. We finally got something positive for Doug to, like, address in the locker room, right, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But then you're also like, how is Austin Eckler getting almost no touches in that second half? The, the clock is your friend when you're up 27 to 7 at half. Like, why are we, th- why are you throwing the ball so many times? And then when it comes down to it in that fourth quarter, as soon as it got down to two scores with like, it was like 10, I think with what six and change left or something. Mm-hmm. It, it just felt like the chargers were going to do nothing. It really did. You could almost sense it in that building that they were just, nothing was going to happen. Bigger collapse. Uh, the Falcons in the Super Bowl versus the Pats or the chargers versus the Jags this time around. Oh, it's going to be your Falcons every time, bud. I'm just going to be completely honest. Honestly, when it comes to that situation with your team, all you guys had to do was run the ball twice, kick a field goal, and it's 31-3, not 28-3, and Matt Ryan gets sacked instead. So, you know, I was trying to make myself feel a little better. That's all. That's all. (laughs) That's all I was trying to do. But let's get to uh, the Bills and Dolphins, to another close game, which I wasn't expecting. Um, you know, again, I think it was a game that we also thought probably was going to be a blowout. Josh Allen probably would have been sitting halfway through the third quarter. Um, but it wasn't, uh, again, Josh Allen looked great at times and Josh Allen looked bad at times. I said that earlier, um, last week, like that elbow still might be an issue. Is it the elbow? Is it him? Like, I don't know what it is, but Dolphins play good, man. I got to give them credit. You got it. You got to give the Dolphins their stars, even though you never want teams hate it when you shine the light on them in a in a loss, right? But you have to like kudos to them. You force what? You got a punt return. You got a couple ints. You got a scoop and score. You did everything possible to keep your team in the game. And now, when you look at it from a Josh Allen perspective, you gotta honestly look at Brian Dable like this was never this hasn't been an issue the last two years excuse me with Brian Dable at the helm of of the offense and now he's gone he's coaching in New York right but it's just so sloppy out of the out of him at times he's they're playing hero ball every play yeah, they're not taking time. those small things. You got to take your check and you got to run the ball a little bit more. There's just none of that. It's let's go for a KO every single play. 
mm-hmm. and it it's backfired on them. Like honestly, two they win. Miami had every chance to win that game at the end, right? And it felt like the writing was on the wall for that blowout that we were talking about, 17 zip. And then Miami just kept clawing and the bills kept giving Miami every opportunity to get back into the football game. And with Miami had a chance, it's all you can ask for, right? Is with your third string quarterback, like you, you've got a chance in the fourth quarter. You're taking that every time. There was, I mean, there's, there's two things that I, that I like to pull out from what you said there, Josh Allen, in terms of the hero ball. Dude, there was countless times where it was third and one, third and two, third and three. Those downs where you maybe you're just looking for a short pass, just get me a first down, or maybe Josh Allen might take off and run, put the ball in his hands. There was two things that I didn't see him do. He didn't run the ball much, which I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if that's because the second half of the season now he hasn't ran as much because they're trying to protect him, or I'm not really sure what's going on with that. But then second, I'm like, dude, you got us to just start taking the check down. You got to take what the defense gives you at times. I understand you want to take the shot. You want to put the flashy play. You want to get the KO on the Miami Dolphins. I get it. But in reality is this. You need to get the check down. You need it to get a first down. You need to keep the defense off the field. You need to spend time on a drive. And he just wouldn't do that. And I'm like, Josh, stop with the ego. Just dump the ball off. Give it to Singletary, throw a little three-yarder to Knox, hit Diggs on a slant and see if he can break one. Just do that. Not take a 40-yard shot to Gabe Davis halfway down the field. There was no reason for it. I, I was just, I was flabbergasted by that, and it was unbelievable to watch. But on the flip side, I do want to talk about this. There was a lot of drops by the Miami Dolphins receiving. Calls. Oh, my goodness. Tyreek Hill had a few I saw. Jalen Waddell, I. I don't know how many he ended up with, but it had to be close to four. And they were like, and and they weren't like drops of like two, three yards. They were drops of like, I I mean, 30 significant play. Yeah. um, That could have changed the game drastically. You know, if you look at Skylar Thompson and you didn't watch the game and you look at his stats, right? 18 to 45, 220, a touchdown, two ITs. We go, wow, that's kind of sucks. Let's be honest. But on the flip side, Jalen Waddle catches a couple of them drops. Tyree Kill doesn't drop a ball. He could be up over 300 yards. He could have mm-hmm. another touchdown, too, and might not have two picks. It might be flip-flops. It might be two touchdowns and one INT. I really thought Skylar Thompson played really well. Um, they could not get the run game going at all, but I kind of expected that. You kind of expected them to load the box. You kind of expected them to force Skylar Thompson's hand and uh, McDaniels' hand to say, hey, you got to beat me in the air. And he kind of did. It's just his wide receivers couldn't catch the ball. It was unbelievable. The amount of times they tried to catch the ball with their body was ridiculous. Yeah. Like that is the cardinal sin of a wide receiver. You catch it with your hands, not with your body. And when it's cold like that, the ball's gonna be slick. It's gonna slide out almost 75% of the time, right? So you feel like that's a was a huge thing. I want to and then, I mean, come on, Mike McDaniel, bro. Like, that fourth down, like, what are you doing? Like, I get it. Like, you thought it was a first down. You should be thinking every possibility as a head coach. Like, I got to give Mike McDaniel, like, he had a great year in his first stint as a coach with, with what he had to go through with Tua and his quarterbacks and everything, right? But how are you not planning 
plays ahead of time that if you're short, we're doing this. If, if we're good, we're going there. Like he looked so lost and it led to the delay game and it costed them, honestly, that football game on that, in that little bit of a situation. And I mean, the biggest thing is right. Is that the refs do not give that measurement anymore when you ask for it. I think that was a big thing that the NFL wanted to speed up the game because everyone was asking for measurements constantly when it's close. But come on, you got to be ready for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It was kind of a rookie coach mistake there on him. Um, but like you said, kudos to him for what he had to deal with this uh, this season and the ups and downs. Uh, and yeah, literally the ups and downs. What do you have, five straight, three straight, five straight, three straight? It was like, oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, kudos to them. They played really well versus the Bills, and now the Bills are going to have a tough matchup to the next game, Ravens versus Bengals. Um, with the Bengals pulling that one out, uh, yeah, kind of a weird game. Going to tell you the truth. What do you think? Baltimore should be playing next weekend, this weekend. That's all I got to say. Like, Baltimore did everything right to beat Cincinnati this past weekend on Sunday night. Everything. Huntley actually showed that he could actually throw the ball downfield. Unheard of, which was like all freaking – these last, especially this season with his shoulder issue and his tendonitis or whatever, but J.K. Dobbins was an absolute beast. Like, he was playing with authority. And then you have this situation, like, the goal line play is the game. Like, there's no nothing to wrap around it, right? Like, that place was 14 points. And I love the play call of calling a sneak. But Tyler Huntley went completely against the play call going over the top from the one and a half instead of doing it was going to be a bush push type deal from behind going low. Like that was just an instinct thing on Huntley's part. That was the one thing he did wrong all night. And it's the difference of the football game. And like like we mentioned it, like if Lamar plays they might have honestly convincingly won that game. Like, that's how lights out the defense played against Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. Like, that's what I got to say. Like, that's what I saw. I mean, this was all more of a Ravens mistake more than Cincinnati won the game. I agree. I mean, we we were never doubting the Ravens' defense. It was just that their offense was going to put them at such a disadvantage. Oh, and they were would, anemic again. They were anemic again. <laughs> exactly. That it was going to set the it was going to set the Bengals offense up to be so well. And this offense is a top three, top four unit in the league. Um, and the, for a defense to try to hold up against that, you just don't know. But kudos to them. I, yeah, like you said, it was a fourteen point swing. Huntley went for the hero jump, where if he takes the QB sneak and he's short, they go for a field goal. You're up three in the fourth quarter. Um, and there's a shot for them, you know, still to win. There's still a shot. Um, you know, should they have given the ball to Dobbin? Should they have given the ball to Gus Edwards? I mean, you could play all them scenarios in your head all you want. Um, do you put the blame on Huntley? I, yeah, I guess that's the only blame it can be put on. You really can't put it on anybody else. You can't put it on Jim Harbaugh because Harbaugh pulled through. He knew his yeah. team was at a disadvantage to the Bengals, and you know that. And he came, had these guys prepared and ready to go for battle when they literally just played each other, what, a week before? And they got blown to smithereens. Um, you know, kudos to him um, for being there. You know, like you said, 
or like I've said countless times, I think head coaching is a big thing in the playoffs. Um, you know, like I said with the Jaguars, Dougie P is a lot better than Brandon Staley. Jim Harbaugh's, I mean, is he better? Yeah, probably. Um, but he just, I think it was just a lack of talent. But again, it didn't really come down to the talent side of things because Huntley just makes that mistake. I think that's just what it is. Um, but yeah, I couldn't agree more what you said. I, this is more on the Ravens kind of messing up than the Bengals actually beating them. Yeah. And it almost creates like such a unique matchup going into this week with the game. It's going to be Cincy and Buffalo in Buffalo, the game that didn't take place because of the, well, it got, it did take place, but it, because of the whole DeMar Hamlin situation, it was never concluded. Like, honestly, I couldn't tell you who's going to win that game just because of how bad both teams looked this past weekend. I literally could not tell you who would win. Well, you're going to have to make a pick in a couple minutes, but I know. And I, and I'm, I will make a pick, but like, it's just like, that's how like concerning, like that is like, if you're Kansas city, you're like licking your chops. You're like, wow. The, the two teams that you would argue are the true contenders didn't look great. Like, mm-hmm. so, but let's transition to the last game. And, you know, it makes me happy because, you know, Kirk Cousins did his – he Kirk Cousined when it mattered most. And uh, that is with the New York football Giants, with Danny Dimes playing the game of his life. Honestly, he earned his paycheck for this upcoming offseason just in, in that Minnesota game alone. Game kind of went the way we kind of saw it. We thought it was going to be tight because Minnesota can't stop anybody. Um, the more thing, biggest thing was fascinated by me is that the Giants had only scored 27 points twice all year, and they put up 31 to win that game. Like, this was more about the Giants' offense more than the probably the Minnesota defense. Well, actually, probably goes hand in hand. But they shut down Justin Jefferson after that first drive defensively. They made everyone else beat him. But if you're Kirk Cousins, like, come on, bro. Like, a three-yard out pass, I get it. Like, a man's in your face. But you've got to force the issue there to give your team a chance. But I got to give kudos to the Giants. They did everything right. Danny Dimes and Saquon Barkley carried the load without question. Brian Dable, a master class of coaching. What I took from this is Brian Dable. Like you said, Brian Dable's a wizard. I mean, he's incredible. Uh, Josh Allen 2.0. That's what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go to the losing side first for me. I didn't think Kirk Cousins really played a bad game. Um, no. Like, it wasn't prime time per Kirk Cousins where he just absolutely shits the bed. I don't think that was the case at all. I mean, stats-wise, he looked really good. Um, he, he was playing decent ball, um, but they also just didn't get the run game going at all. Dalvin Cook only had 60 yards on 15 carries. Uh, they were able to shut down Justin Jefferson completely, which was I was mind blown about that. Granted, they let TJ Hawkinson roll, but you know, as as the Giants, you got to sit there and think, okay, which which playmaker do I want to take away? Do, is Justin Jefferson going to hurt me more? Is TJ Hawkinson going to hurt me more? Uh, well, Justin Jefferson's ob- the obvious answer, yeah. so they were able to double him. They were able to shadow him. They were able to shut him down, which was a great, great call by the Giants to do that and just let Hawkinson kind of eat. But, you know, you can stop him every once in a while. Um, but, yeah, on the flip side, though, Dan Jones looks incredible. 
Vanilla Vic. No. Vanilla <laughs> Vic. Don't get me started with that nickname, he was, bro. I mean, there was at one point, it was I think it was in the second quarter. I like I was like, ah, let me see the stats, right? Because they don't show the stats constantly. So I'm like, ah, let me see what the stats looks like. This man had 78 yards, like or I think like 72 yards in the first half and rushing, mm-hmm. couple like 100, 150 in a passing, couple tutties. Like, whoa, what's going on with this, Daniel? Take it easy there. Um, but yeah, he he played really, really well, very efficient ball with very little wide receivers. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins was a practice squad wide receiver on the Buffalo Bills earlier this season. Darius Slayton was maybe a wide receiver two, three on this team. Uh, yeah. I don't even know any of the other wide receivers after that. Uh, Kenny yeah, Galladay Richie, doesn't ever play. <laughs> Richie James. I mean, guys that are kind of no-goes. Like, I don't even know who they are. But, yeah, yeah he played well. Um, and Barkley also had a very good game, 50 on the ground, 50 in the air, two tutties, uh, especially that late last touchdown was a big one for him um, to kind of seal it off a little bit. But, yeah, kudos to the Giants. Um, they were able to take advantage of this uh, bad Vikings defense. And moving forward, I mean, they're going to have a tough task against the Eagles uh, this week upcoming. But I want to put it on the flip side for you here with the Vikings. What do you okay. do this offseason? Oh, man. I'd be worried, man. I'd be worried like, about Justin Jefferson wanting a trade. I really would. Maybe not after this, maybe not after this game, but if you have another year like what you did this year, next year. But honestly, I'm taking – it's all – I mean, the Aaron Rodgers situation now and how it's unfolding, we don't know how Green Bay is going to move forward. But I'm trusting Detroit and Green Bay ahead of Minnesota next year if Aaron Rodgers is there. You can make the argument that Minnesota might be the third best team in their own division next year. Like that is a fair assessment based off of how bad they've been defensively, not just this year, but the year before that. Like we talked about it last week. Like this team, this defense has been anemic for a couple of years now. Like the stats almost were identical, other than they found their offense actually outscored their opponent this time, unlike last year in those tight games. Yeah, I think you felt like the issue going in that like, that's why I picked New York, right? I didn't trust Minnesota's defense enough when it came to that. That's fair. I feel like, yeah. So, but like the whole Stefan Diggs thing that happened a couple of years ago, like I would be afraid to potentially see that again. Like, especially if this happens again next season, you could see it on Justin Jefferson's face after that game that he was not a happy camper with this team. I I kind of looked up their contract situation as well, and they're they're twenty twenty ish mil over the cap right now. So you're definitely going to see a lot of cuts this offseason from this team. Uh, they might have to look Kirk Cousins in the face and be like, "Well, is there a better quarterback out there that maybe can lead this team?" Um, I but again, I, I don't happen, think. Man. No, I don't either. But the other thing is this is they were 11 and one this season, including playoffs in one score games. That's not going to happen again next year. We know that mm-hmm. they also um, they were the first team in the NFC North. So because they, they won their division, they're going to have a way harder schedule next year than they did this year. It's another thing to always look at for the future. 
I just, you might be right. They might be, they could potentially be the third, um, the third team out of the NFC North next year. But I think they also need to look themselves in the face and be like, mm, is this team it? Can this team compete next year? Can this team compete two years? Can this comp- team compete five years from now? I don't know. I don't think so, though. Mm-mm. I don't know. I mean, the only thing Minnesota has going for them defensively is their pass rush. Their linebacker play was subpar, even with having a stud like Kendricks in there. But their se- secondary, you got to blow it up. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you got to try something different on the back end. Like, you were getting burnt all year long. And then offensively, I feel like they won't change much, right? Like, they're, you got doubt. Like, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, you think this team has a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball at the skill positions with Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Hawkinson. You would think that's a plethora of weapons to have you compete. But the team is in so many close games that you just don't know what you're going to get, right? That's been them for the last couple of seasons now. Like, it's all about the tight one-possession games. I think you're right. I think they have – they got to figure something out with the cap. You might see – there's going to be a lot of cap casualties, I think. Um, Zadarius yeah. Smith is a big name. I know that he can probably get cut. Um, but also don't be shocked if, like, Dalvin Cook gets cut, you know, as well. I, I don't know if it'll happen, but don't be shocked because if they like Madison, that's great. They might be able to go pick up another running back that could slide right into this place. But they need to get underneath the cap. And if they, if he's the one where they're like, eh, he's kind of aging a little bit, he's had some injuries over the years, you know, why not get a fresh start? Maybe get a young guy in the, you know, uh, in the draft or something like that. They might work. You extend work Hawkinson. Or... He's up, right? That's the whole reason Detroit traded him. Or did they yeah, already but... extend him? Uh, I'm not sure. But if they had the money, I guess why not, right? The problem is they don't have the money. Yeah, but he's a top. <laughs> he's going to be what a top. He's a top. You know, eight-ish tight end. You I mean? He's not too far off from the top five, I personally think, if he has another very good season. So, right. I mean, if you can get a guy like that, sure. But, I mean, tight ends are kind of a dime a dozen. You just kind of never know when you're going to get that one. Um, and at least Hawkinson, you know kind of what you're going to get out of him. So, yeah, I would try to resign him if you can do it. So, Yeah, I'm trying to think. Irv Smith probably is gone. Yeah, the other tight end. And trying to think. Yeah, Minnesota's in a mess. Yeah. But I think it's gonna be interesting to see how they unfold. All right, let's 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 preview. All right. Let's actually look at the team that we were just hyping up, and that's the New York football giants. They're going to Philadelphia. Tough task. Philadelphia absolutely blew them out uh last in that last meeting, but the Giants also played nobody. So you gotta I think you gotta give them the New York football giants a puncher's chance after what we've seen this week and how Daniel Jones has got to be on an all-time high right now the hardest thing is when you have your obviously your best game of your career it's hard to back that up uh, with consecutive weeks Um, I'm gonna roll with Philadelphia here I just think there's on the bye you give Hurts an extra week with the shoulder you don't know what you're gonna get though but I think they're able to contain the one person that can hurt the the Eagles and that's Saquon Barkley. And I have 
the Giants being competitive for about a half, Eagles pulling away late. I've got this one being 30 to 20 Philadelphia. I like it. So you got a little over 10 point. Um, yeah, the only way the Giants win this game is on Daniel Jones's legs. Um, that's the only way they're going to be able to beat the Eagles if they have a if they have a chance. Personally, I don't think they have a chance. I think uh, Daniel Jones and the ball took advantage of the Vikings defense last week. You know, at bottom probably a bottom five unit. Um, but this week you come into a top five unit um, in terms of defense. They're leading the leading sacks. Uh, their secondary is starting to get healthy. You got um, Bradbury's back. Uh, uh, CJ, uh, excuse me, uh, Johnson Jr. Uh, what's it? What the heck is his name? Gardner, Gardner Johnson. Johnson. There you go. I was, I was trying to get it. Gardner Johnson's coming back healthy as well. Um, I don't know if Avante Maddox is playing too. Um, but this defense is going to be ready to go. And Hertz, like you said, gets another week. He is uh, not even limited in practice this week. He's completely off the injury report, which is good soon or good news for them. Yep. I think the Eagles blow them out of the water. Really? You think yeah, it's a route? I think it might be a route. Um, I, I mean, sports talk radio here in the Philadelphia area is like already like moving on the next week. It's it's pretty bad. Um, I, I've been talking. I've been kind of joking with a couple Eagles fans, right? And I said, <laughs> look, I said, look, I said, if you guys lose to the Giants, I said, you guys realize that you could potentially have an NFC championship as the Giants and Cowboys. How is that going to sit in your stomach? And they're like, dude, it's going to be terrible. I said, but you want to hear what might even be worse? I said, you guys beat the Giants, but then you play the Cowboys and you lose to the Cowboys. I said, how are you going to live with yourself? You won't. You can't. You're going to, you I said, dude, there might be like a, there might have to be police officers on the bridges. Because you got to watch for suicide <laughs> jumpers. I, I don't know, man. Like, that's serious. I mean, it might be bad here. Um, but to talk about this week's game, I think the Eagles blow them out. I think Hurts has an incredible game. I think Barkley gets bottled up. I think Daniel Jones maybe throws a pick or two or maybe even a fumble comes out of him. I think this game's a blowout. It may, I'll give him 14, the Giants. I think it's like a 31-14 kind of game. Um, I think the Eagles kind of just route them out the building. I think it's fair. I think, right. Cause it's, I think it's, this is more about how well are the giants going to play, not based off of how the Eagles are going to play. I think the, we both think that the Eagles are going to get points. I think it's just going to be based off of the offense for New York. If they can get rolling again, like they did last this past weekend. So that's a huge component. Mm-hmm. Let's all right. Next game is Kansas City Jacksonville. And if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I feel like you're playing with house like you're licking your chops. Like even though like you've had Jacksonville already this year, you blew them out a little bit too, just absolutely dominant. And the team the offense didn't even really get fire firing on all cylinders in that matchup. I think I think Jacksonville, they've already won their Super Bowl. They got their playoff win. They won the the South. I think this is going to be too much Mahomes. I think this one actually might be a route. I think this I think Kansas City is going to win 38-21. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. I just think too much too much Mahomes, too much Kelsey. I think and I think the defense is a little bit more is underrated this year for Kansas City. 
statistically speaking, they've been a lot better than they have been in recent years. And I think Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's undefeated on a Saturday. That's got to come to an end sooner rather than later. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be that person that's going to be the the vic uh, become make Trevor Lawrence's first Saturday victim. All right, that's fair. I uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer. I still think the Chiefs win. I think it's going to be a lot closer. Jacksonville's defense kind of surprised me this past week versus the Chargers. Um, even though they did give up thirty points, they held Herbert a lot of the time. They mm-hmm. were able to stop the run. Um, which is huge. They're able, and on the offensive side, they're able to kind of protect Lawrence a little bit. Um, like Bosa didn't get in there as much as I thought. Uh, Khalil Mack didn't get in there as much as I thought. Um, they kind of surprised me in that game, and I think they can kind of withstand it. I think the Chiefs come out maybe uh, a little slow to start the game, and people are going to get nervous. Hey, what's going on? Jaguars might take an early lead, maybe a seven nothing lead, a ten nothing lead, you know, something down that nature. And I think uh, I, but I ultimately in the end, I think Patrick Mahomes takes over in that um, second half. I think Andy Reid dials it up big time for them, and I think the Chiefs are going to win. But I actually think it's going to be a little bit of a high scoring game. I can see like a thirty one twenty seven kind of game, thirty one twenty four kind of game. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a high scoring game. Um, and I, like I said, I think it's kind of a slow start. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a 17-13 or 17-10 or 14-10, like slow first half, and then boom, okay. ramps it up in the second half. They kind of figure each other out. But, yeah, I got the Chiefs in this one too, uh, victorious. That's interesting. I think, I think the biggest thing for Jacksonville is how, how you can't get off to a slow start. You get off to a slow start against Kansas City. They will not let off the gas like how the the Chargers did this past week. That Mm -hmm. won't happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be the biggest component for them. And like you said, the defense has been surprising these last couple weeks. It showed up when they've needed to show up and show out. They're young. They're athletic. So that gives them an opportunity. But it's going to come down to – the two quarterbacks who's going to who's going to perform when it matters most so keep an eye on frank clark i think frank clark gets a big time sack um yeah like late in the fourth quarter that kind of just sets the jaguars back something something's going to happen there i got a feeling with frank clark i like that that's that's a good that's a good pickup there all right let's go to the other afc matchup the one that I honestly have no clue what I'm going to do. So I'm going to let Joe go first. I'll rock um, that is, that's the Bengals and the Bills. Give me an extra couple minutes to think and my, finally make a decision. Um, two teams that easily could have lost this past weekend. But I feel like this, my, this game could be a fascinating one as well between Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. What do you see happening up in the Mafia? This is the problem here because I got stuck with this last week in the Giants game. The hearts tell me one thing, the minds tell me the other, right? So I'm in that boat again. Um, love Josh Allen. You know, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not, you know, at times the best quarterback, but he's been making a lot of mistakes this year. And um, it's been something different that I haven't really seen over the last, even last couple weeks now. But Joe Burrow and that team still rocking and rolling, still winning games. 
Um, did take a little bit of a hit on the offensive line this week. Williams getting a, I think a dislocated knee or something like that. Not good mm-hmm. stuff, but um, you know, you got Trey Henderson on the other side. He's going to be wreaking havoc on the uh, on the Bills offensive line. I'm gonna I'm going with the head here. The head's really pulling me big time. I I think the Bengals win this game, man. I really wow. do. Okay. I think they kind of shock them. Um, I think. Josh Allen's still going to try to be playing that hero ball. He's going to get a couple on Eli Apple. He's going to get burnt. We know that. It's know just that. what happens. <laughs> it's inevitable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I got a feeling the Bengals pull this one out. I think it's like a 27-24 kind of game. Ooh, um, okay. Bengals pull this one out. And it's tough for me to say, even though I'm probably going to be rooting for the Bills. I'm going to be honest with you. But the minds tell me Bengals win by three. Oh man, let's let's. All right, let me walk myself through this now as we're kind of like talking and thinking at the same time. Um, all right, Cincinnati, no offensive line. Their top three dudes are hurt again, so who knows how many of them are actually going to be able to play this week? So Joe Burrow is going to get hit plenty of times. But that didn't phase them last year. They went, yeah, what else is new? That didn't phase them last year. Still went to the Super Bowl. Got all the skill positions all over the board. You got Diggs, you got Davis, you got Beasley, you got Knox, you got Chase, you got T. Higgins, you got Tyler Boyd, and you got Joe Mixon. List goes on, right? Game's going to be a shootout. I really do. I think this game is going to be a one possession game. It's going to come down. To who has the ball last? I think it's going to be very reminiscent to Chiefs Bills last year. I think Josh Allen does just enough because I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl earlier this year, and I got to hold to my guns because he's still there. Right in with Josh Allen, 35-31. Game's going to be a spectacle. I really do. I think it's going to be fascinating because I don't think I think both teams, like even though they got through it this week. McDermott and Taylor are going to coach both of their teams hard this week. Be like, yo, y'all sucked. Like, you you guys shouldn't even be here this week. So, I think that's going to light a fire under both teams. And it's going to be a fireworks. I think it's going to be fireworks. I, really I think do. more of a fire's not going to be put on the performance of last week, but more of the performance that could have happened two, three weeks ago. I think that's going to – I think more fire is going to be put underneath there. It's like, hey, you know, we're going to do this for DeMar, especially on the Bills side. We're going to do this for DeMar. We're going to win this game. We were supposed to be playing this game. We, we, you know, we could have won that game. Same thing with the Bengals a little bit on the other side. Like, hey, we weren't able to play because of an unfortunate situation. But, hey, let's go out there and beat them. Like, that's what we were supposed to do that week. And I think both are going to use for motivation for that. Um, I also could see, like, an overtime game here. I think this might be the first overtime game we see in the playoffs right here. Yeah, I agree. I think, oh, imagine if we see the new Super Bowl rule, the new rule. Yeah. You see how I, – I hope it's not a dud, though. Like, the rule just turns into, like, the ball turns into a pick six or something if it goes to overtime. <laughs> like, make the rule actually useful, and someone goes down and scores, and then so that the other guy can go down and score as well. Like, that's what I yep. want. But I feel like the rule almost is going to backfire in and of itself this year. Yeah. Which kind of, Fuck, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yep. All right, last one. 
All right, I'm I'm doubling down. Give me the Niners. I'm not even going to really talk about this one. Um, I think San Francisco arguably is the best team in the postseason right now. And they're right now my favorite to win the Super Bowl. Like, that's how good this team has looked, even with Brock Purdy at the helm. I think the Cowboys got that little bit of a weight off their shoulders, finally getting over a huge hurdle like that is winning on the road. But how much, like, this all week this game has been talked about as, oh, is Mike McCarthy going to blow it at the end again with clock management? Is that going to actually give the ball to the ref? There's just so much noise around this. And it's I think this game is going to be a lot more low scoring than people think because I think both defenses are extremely solid. You know that corner opposite of Diggs is going to get burnt at least once. Like that's that's a that's a wrap that's a layup, right? So I'm gonna take the team that's got the better defense and who has been playing more lights out and consistent this year, and that's San Francisco. I like it to be another low scoring game, tight. I think it's gonna be like a 20, 24, 20 type deal, and I'm gonna roll with San Fran in the okay. in the bay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, you guys know it. I've been a very, very, very big fan of the 49ers this year. The riding them the entire way. Big Kyle Shanahan supporter as well. A um, couple key matchups, to, you know, keep an eye out here for it. Parsons versus Trent Williams. You're talking about probably the best yeah. tackle in the league versus arguably the best pass rusher right now in the game. Um, how are they going to stand up between each other? I mean, it's not like Parsons going up against uh, Donovan Smith uh, versus Tampa Bay. We're talking about the best tackle in the league right now. Um, how will he be able to withstand? Brock Purdy should be able to get protected at least versus him, so not as much pressure, hopefully, right? And then, uh, like you said, Dallas Stevens been playing pretty good. And, you know, I but San Fran has the amount of weapons that they have is astronomical. I mean, it. you got, you know, you first start out with the best running back in the league, CMC. A top, you know, a top 10, top 12 wide receiver in Debo Samuel, another good wide receiver in Brandon IU. Um, and then you kind of forgot about a guy who didn't have do well, who didn't do anything last week is George Kittle as well. Um, could George yeah. Kittle be having be the X factor and have a huge game? I don't know. He could. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, Dallas is definitely going to have a chance to take advantage of the San Fran secondary a little bit. I do believe so. However, I think. I think Dallas needs to get their run game going to set up their pass. They do well a lot off the bootlegs, the play actions kind of thing. And San defense is pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, Pollard last week, I think, had 70 or 80 on the ground. Zeke got shut down last week. And if Pollard gets shut down like Zeke gets shut down, this offense could sputter real quick, and it could be dangerous for them, and they could get shut out very quickly. I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah. if I was the Cowboys, I would be like, I need to emphasize this run game. I need to have four yards of carry on these guys every single time. It needs to happen. Or Dak's going to need to get his legs moving a little bit and get moving. Um, yeah, a, a repeat of last year's wild card round with, like you said, Dak screwing up, couldn't didn't get the ball to the ref and didn't snap the ball and uh, pain in the ass, but whatever. Um I, I like San Fran. I'm going to still keep rolling with them. I don't think it's a 24-20 game. 49ers have been like pretty 
pretty doing pretty well on the offensive side of the ball. They've been over 30 points over the, I think six of the seven weeks or something of that nature. So I'm going to continue okay. with that. I think they, I think they scored 31 points this week. I think Cowboys are going to get theirs. I think it's like a 31 27 kind of game, 31 24 kind of game. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's the Niners to win. I think it's going to be a good game, but I, I ultimately, I actually think the Niners get up like 10 maybe 14 in the fourth quarter Cowboys kind of score maybe touchdown. A, yeah like a late touchdown to kind of at least kind of make it seem a lot closer um but yeah it'll be uh that's what I'm thinking it's gonna happen um question before we wrap up if you only could sit down Saturday or Sunday which day are you sitting down to watch one of the other games trying to think of so Saturday is Eagles Giants and Chiefs Jags Correct. Sunday is Bills, Bengals, Niners, Cowboys. I'd have, I gotta say Sunday. Because I think Sunday. the, I think I would have to say Sunday. I think all four games are gonna be a lot more compet, are gonna be pretty competitive. I think we can make the argument that like Saturday's games, we both said that one may be a route. Like I said, Jags Chiefs might be a route, and you said Giants Eagles. I think Sunday's games are gonna come down to the wire. I really do. Like, I think. The Cowboys have a lot to prove with trying to get over that hump again, which is getting to the a championship type of game. And I think the Niners are going to continue to prove why they're always right there year in and year out. And then when it comes to Buffalo, Cincinnati, we kind of mentioned it. Like you got arguably two of the best five, you've got two of the best five quarterbacks in football going head to head and, and that could be fireworks just in and of itself because it was a game that really couldn't – that pretty much didn't take place. So a lot of unknowns in that matchup too. So got to roll with Sunday. You? I agree. Yeah, I'm gonna, I would also sit down on Sunday. Um, I mean, the matchups are going to be incredible on Sunday. I think they're going to be very solid games. Um, the Eagles game, I, like I said, it could be a slight blowout. But also the fact – I got to think of it like this, man. We're on the East Coast. I mean, these games get late, man. I get tired. I mean, 815. You're a a sleepy boy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're a little different. You got a couple hours advantage. I mean, yeah, like this 815 game, I mean, halftime is going to be 1030. I mean, the Eagles are up 14, 17. I mean, like, Jesus, I'm if you might be asleep on the couch already, you know, sleeping about next week. I mean, I, you know, that's what I'm looking at here. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I I would sit down for the Sunday games. I think that three o'clock game is going to be incredible stuff to watch. And then I, I think the Niners game is going to be good, too. Like like I said, maybe fourth quarter kind of dwindles itself down, but I think it's still going to be a really, really good game. Yeah, all four games. Don't be... get me wrong. I think all four games are going to be good, at least for the first half. We'll say that. Right. One thing that's gone for you, the Sunday games, they'll be over before bedtime. It's an early, It's a 4.30 start. It's a 6.30 start for you. Yeah, I was going right to say, 4.30 for you, 6.30 for me. 4.30 so for we'll, me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll be, be nice. It'll be perfect for you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It'll be real nice to be able to take a shower, you know, put the time card <laughs> in for work, and we'll be good to go. Move on with life. And fucking fantastic. I love it. All right, brother. Same time next week. Yeah, we doing when? Nah, it's a Tuesday. We got to come back. I know. We got to come back to a Tuesday. I know. We got to get back. To I, might be recording gotta- from, I might be recording from the office, though, on Tuesday. That's going to be good That's, stuff right there. Hopefully your boss does, doesn't walk in, but we'll be all right. Hey, one thing I got going for me, hopefully my boss isn't listening to this, but like, yo, boss, like I know you're out of the office by four o'clock, so like I'll be all right. We're recording around six, so. Yep. 
nah, next week's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we'll, we'll definitely break down these divisional rounds, hopefully talking about some great, great games come uh, the following week. I mean, we have the AFC Championship game, the NFC Championship game. It could be a surefire of – it could be a cheese versus Bengals, cheese versus Bills. I mean – God, that'd be incredible matchups. We might even have a neutral site if it's Chiefs versus Bills playing in Atlanta. The only thing we haven't oh, seen a playoff game like that in years. Um, and then on the other side, I mean, you might have a NFC East divisional matchup once again. Um, could be wild stuff to see. Man, I don't agree with that neutral site rule, man. Like something happened, like go to Arrowhead, grow up. Like, honestly, I get it. Like it's an unforeseen circumstance, but like, come on. Uh, neutral kinda, site I, game I, I'm okay with it I wish they picked it somewhere different but yeah I'm okay with it honestly I was waiting for them to say Detroit because Bill's already played in Detroit this year <laughs> to tell you Twice. the truth one of one of my buddies kind of recommended it and I, I don't it would have been more the center point if it was Bengals and Bills not uh, Chiefs but the center point would have been uh, the horseshoe of Ohio State they played at Ohio State's campus That'd be tough. That would it would have been wild. But to you see. know they would have they would have put they were gonna put it in a dome though. You knew that was gonna happen. Yeah, I, I had a feeling. Yeah, but um, it would have been an incredible atmosphere. I mean, the place holds like over a hundred thousand people. Like, I don't know if they would have got a hundred thousand people to go, but like it would have been unbelievable to see. Oh, hundred and ten percent. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Maybe we'll be in it. We don't. You don't have them going to Atlanta anyway, because you got Cincy winning. So you got going to Arrowhead anyway. <laughs> yep, we're gonna have a rematch, baby. All right, all right. I think that's gonna be something to see. You know, maybe maybe we'll be able to work in some other sport talk that next week, because you yeah. know we won't not as much to break down go as football wise. I agree. Yeah, we'd maybe get some uh, get some football, get the football talk in. Maybe talk for, uh, awards because awards are going to be coming up soon. That week or two from there, um, golf's back full swing right now. Coming around, they're getting through the Hawaii uh, the Hawaii take right now. So we'll get into Kim clutch last week. Very six hundred thousand dollar chip in man. Good for him. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well. All right, everybody, you'll see us next week on the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. You know, it's going to be fascinating, as always. Tune in. As always, if you haven't yet, leave us a review, subscribe, do what you got to do, show us some love. Also, we're going to be – I haven't told Joe this, but we're going to be doing a little bit of a merch drop in the next couple weeks. So, plus, because I owe Joe some gear now finally so i gotta get on top of that and send them some stuff so um but uh watch out for a merch drop put in your reviews and what you guys are looking for potentially so as always joe ciccoletti blaine spencer from the final whistle sports podcast signing off everybody we will see you next week back on a regular tuesday episode of the final whistle sports podcast